Hi, I'm Jim Paplava. I started Financial Sense in 1985 to give clients a boutique, personal investment experience that's hard to get at a large company. For three decades, my company has been helping families build, manage, and protect their wealth through tailored financial planning and investment management. If you are looking to make financial sense of a complex world, give our office a call at 888-486-3939 to speak with one of our advisors today and let us help you plan your future. The Financial Sense Lifetime Planning Program. Here's your host, Jim Poplava. Well, we all heard that all those baby boomers are heading into retirement. I think the figure is 10,000 of us every single day are heading into retirement. But there's another segment of the baby boomers that is important. And those are small business owners. And they are now looking at retirement. 67% of most business owners will reach retirement age within this decade. And that's what we're going to talk about on today's program. Joining me is Lawrence Kaplan. He's founder and managing partner of CSG Partners. And Lawrence, let's talk about this, what this means economically, because one of the largest segments of the population have been boomers. They're heading into retirement, but a lot of those boomers are business owners. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a very interesting situation. And uh, a lot of those business owners do not have children in their businesses. So the question is, what's going to become with their businesses? And some of them, unfortunately, will just close down. But the ones that are making money and profitable will go through a few different possibilities. One, they could turn around and sell to a competitor or a strategic acquirer. Two, they could turn around if they're big enough and sell to a private equity firm. Three, some of them might have a market internally where they might have a manager in place that could take over. And four, which is my specialty and my firm's specialty, is selling it to an employee stock ownership plan. And what we're trying to do is get the message out about this fourth option about selling to an ESOP. Now, Larry, does that depend on how the structure of the corporation is set up, whether it's an S-corp, C-corp, or a sole practitioner? Does any of that come into play? It does. So in order to sell to an ESOP, you need to be a corporation. And so you need to be either an S or a C corporation. Many of our clientele, when we first meet them, are not corporations. They could be a limited liability in LLC corporation, or they could be a partnership. And as part of the ESOP process, we will help them incorporate because you do need under the tax code to be a corporation, either an S corporation or a C corporation. And how complicated is that? Let's let's just say I'm a sole practitioner and let's take two cases. In one case, I'm just a sole practitioner. In the other one, I'm an LLC. Take us through that step and how complicated it is. So a sole practitioner is relatively easy. I'm not the tax expert on staff, but we have people that have worked with many different partnerships that help them incorporate, but that's a relatively easy thing to do. Uh, There could be some certain tax implications. And it's the same thing on the LLC side, right? You could incorporate quite easily. There's a number of different ways of incorporating. Some of them, again, depends. You need to take a look at the tax ramifications of becoming a corporation. 
But normally, we're able to incorporate people, whether from a partnership to a corporation or from an LLC to a corporation, with minimal cost. Occasionally, there's a few cases where it is difficult, but it's a rarity. Well, I do know if you go to, let's say, a, a single practitioner to a C-Corp, depending on how you are compensating yourself, the nice thing about a C-Corp, the tax rates are 21% right now. Correct. Right. I mean, so and and ultimately, you know, with what we're talking about in terms of an ESOP, you know, what we're hoping to do as a sole practitioner, right, you're paying ordinary income tax rates. So depending on what state you live in, you could be paying the, the size of your payroll. Uh, you could be paying anywhere from, let's say, 30, 35 percent to as high as if you're in New York or California, up to 50 percent in taxes. And so the goal through an ESOP is to make it that you're paying no taxes at the corporate level. Let's say you were a C corporation. And when you receive the money, you pay no personal taxes. So our goal is to eliminate that 35 to 50 percent that the state and federal governments are taking out of your income each year. It, it, walk us through how that works and how the taxes are eliminated. So the advantage would be for, let's say, a sole practitioner or or even uh, somebody that you know owns their own business. In, in in their case, they have children, but none of the children are in the business. Sure. So let let's take let's assume now you're a corporation. So you become and we'll start off. You became a C corporation, and so normally a C corporation is subject to a double tax. Like you said, at the corporate level, it's a twenty one percent tax. At the, at the federal level, it's a twenty one percent tax. And if you're in a state like California or New York, between state and city, it could be another thirteen percent on top of that. Um, so you're paying a corporate tax less than the personal tax, but you're paying a corporate tax. And if you pay a dividend out of a C corporation, you're paying a second dividend tax at that personal level. And the way at the way the ESOP gets rid of it is twofold. Number one, and this is under Section 1042 of the U.S. Tax Code, which was a section they put in place specifically for the ESOPs that said if you're a C corporation and you sell your stock to an ESOP. When you get paid the money for that stock, if you reinvest in qualified replacement property, which are stocks and bonds of U.S. operating companies, you could defer paying those taxes as long as you hold that replacement property. And if you hold that property until your death, you'll get a step up and you'll never pay the tax. So on the one side of the ledger, when you receive the money, there's no tax. Number two, at the corporate level, if you sold your company or half your company for $10 million dollars. Simplistically, you're going to receive $10 million worth of tax deductions to offset against your future income. So if you are earning a million dollars a year, basically, you're going to have these $10 million of tax deductions to wipe out your corporate income going forward. And how that kind of works, and this is a long answer, and this is the, some of the, one of the problems with ESOPs, they're a little bit technical, is that an ESOP is a retirement plan, just like a 401k plan. And so the company is going to make these tax deductible contributions to the ESOP every year and say you earned a million dollars. The company makes a million dollar contribution of cash to the ESOP, but the ESOP borrowed that money from the company to do the transaction. So it sends it right back to the company, unlike a 401k where the cash stays in the retirement plan. Here, the plan sends it back to the company. The company doesn't pay any taxes. And it sends that money back to the owner or to the bank if the bank financed the transaction. So take us one little step. Let's take a hypothetical. I own a business. 
I converted to a C-Corp, accumulating assets in the C-Corp because I'm not taking it all out because of the favorable tax rate of 21%. So let's just say, for example, I take a salary, in your case, a million dollars a year salary. And then let's say the company itself probably has a value of about 10 million. Explain how all this would work. Sure. So you're paying only a 21% tax rate at the corporate level. But if you took that money out, you paid a dividend, you'd be paying additional tax to yourself if you took that money out. So while it's nice you're paying a low corporate tax rate, that money is still locked up inside that company, right? If you want to take it out, you're going to pay a second layer of tax. With the ESOP, right? And let's assume that we, I'll go through the transaction, right? So you sold your company and we got a bank to finance the deal. They loaned $10 million to the company. The company loaned $10 million to the ESOP. The ESOP gave the owner $10 million in cash. And now post-transaction, the the ESOP owes the company $10 million and the bank owes the company $10 million. Now, next year, the company earns a million. So now the owner, by the way, took that $10 million off the table and didn't have to pay capital gains taxes on it. It's got $10 million in his pocket. Next year, the company earns a million dollars. That company will make a million dollar contribution to the ESOP, right? Company go, the money goes from the company to this ESOP trust. The ESOP trust thank, says, thank you very much. But I owe the, the company $10 million because I borrowed $10 million to buy the stock from the owner. So they turn around, they send the million dollars right back to the company. Now that company has that cash and it uses that cash to pay down that bank. And that goes on year after year. Meanwhile, the owner is still receiving some compensation from the business, but he was paid a lot of that money up front. And more importantly, he avoided the tax. Now, does that apply at the federal level and as well as the state level? Because like, you know, states like California, my own state has the highest income tax rate. Uh, You don't get any break on capital gains or dividends. How does it work in a state like California or let's say for that matter, a state like New York? That's right. Those two states are obviously killer tax states. And the beautiful thing about ESOPs in both California and New York is that Section 1042 applies both to uh, federal and state taxes. So you pay zero on the federal and zero on the state level. This sounds, (laughs) Larry, to be quite blunt, too good to be true. I know it's when we sit down and we meet with business owners, right? That's that's and we have the meeting with them. That's the first answer we get. But this is directly in the tax code, right? There's just no two ways about it. It's Section 1042. You take a look at it and basically because why? Right. And, and this goes back to the theme of, of this broadcast today is that silver tsunami. You know, what what the government wants to see is to see these businesses continue and to see these businesses continue successfully in their communities. And by giving the business owner the ability to sell to his employees and get these tax breaks, it's quite an incentive to sell to your employees rather than selling to a third party or selling to your competitor. Uh, And that's what we're all about. Right. We want to see these small businesses, which are the backbone of America. We want to see them continue. And so we're out there educating about these benefits. That's absolutely amazing. And how long has this been in place, the 1042? How long has that been in place? 
Well, let's go back to the, the original ESOP laws, go back to 1974 when they passed the general ERISA legislation. Uh, Section 1042, I think they added as an additional ESOP benefit sometime in the uh, mid to late, maybe around 1987 when Avis did a leverage buyout. I think that's when they kind of instituted the 1042 section of it. And that's another point, too. They're constantly giving additional incentives. And, you know, we, we haven't touched upon it, but Jim, just to keep this simple, if you uh, are an S corporation and you sell your stock to the ESOP and the employees own that S corporation, those companies pay zero in federal state taxes, no matter how much money that company makes. You turn these businesses into for-profit, non-taxable entities. Absolutely amazing. Larry, why aren't more businesses aware of this? Because, I mean, as you said, there is a silver tsunami, 10,000 boomers a day moving into retirement. Many of them are small business owners. I, I, I've i been working in the ESOP industry now. This is our, our firm's 24th year, and I've been doing it longer than that. And that is a question that I ask myself like every single day. And, and I, I think there's a few answers to it is that number one, uh, we compete against a private equity industry that is massively well-financed. And I kind of look at it like the military industrial complex. You've got these private equity firms who are close with law firms and banks, and they're pushing those types of transactions because it's so incredibly lucrative for all the people that work on it. And we try to get to the table and it's just, we, we can't get there a lot of the times. And uh, I think you're seeing that change, right? I, I feel this, this momentum going on precisely because you've got so many of these baby boomers who are retiring, who built these companies up over a period of decades. And they, they're, they're essential employers in particular communities. And if they sell to a third party, there's a good chance that those jobs will leave, or at least some of those jobs will leave those communities. And so a lot of these baby booners, they've made a lot of money. And while they don't want to sell their business for nothing, part of what they're looking to uh, make sure stays in existence is the business and their legacy. And that's why the ESOP is a good fit for them. And so once again, the requirement is if you're a sole practitioner or an LLC, you convert to an S and a C to make this transaction possible. That's correct. And the majority the majority of our companies that we're working with today, first of all, very rarely do we ever see a C corporation. Maybe one out of every 30 companies we come across is a C corporation. The predominant structures that we see are, I'd say, uh, S corporations, number one, LLCs, number two, and then uh, proprietorships, number three. So when you look at this, as I mentioned, not too many people are aware of it. When you approach, and the only reason I say this is uh, I had a client who had a large company and they brought, he kind of wanted to cash out. So he brought in private equity and it was the board of directors were the ones that suggested that he do that. Yeah. It's because nobody, again, there's not enough knowledge about ESOP transactions. And there are a lot of technical components to an ESOP transaction. And so there aren't that many people that really understand it. So even if you ask your accountant, you know, your accountant will have some understanding of an ESOP, but they won't understand all the details. 
And they could ask their lawyer. Again, their lawyer will have some understanding of an ESOP, but they're not going to understand the details. And the same thing for your wealth advisor. They're going to know something about the ESOP, but not the details. And when people don't know the details of something, uh, they're not they're not prone to recommend them because if it goes wrong, they're the ones that are going to be holding the bag. As opposed to, okay, you sell your company, you get your cash. What could go? You know, that's not. They they said to sell your company, and you got your cash. Unfortunately, the ESOP is a little bit more complicated, so a lot of people don't want to recommend it. You know, you're afraid to recommend if you really don't understand it. And what about the situation where you have a company and you have, let's say, a sole proprietor, LLC, but the company is really based around that one person. That person is the the brains behind the outfit. That person is the rainmaker that brings in the sales. All of a sudden, that person is out of the picture what about the remaining employees being successful without that person? Well, that wouldn't be a, a good ESOP candidate, right? So, one and, and we come across a lot of businesses uh, that are dependent on you know that key person. And what we tell them, we and they've got a management team in place. They're not sure if they could take over. And so, what we tell them, look, start off and start off and sell a minority piece of your company to an ESOP. In order to get that Section 1042 benefit, you need to sell at least 30%. But start off with that. Give your management team the ability to show what they can do and take over. If you're not comfortable, you could always sell your company. And that's the beautiful thing about an ESOP. It doesn't preclude a sale down the road, uh, but it's a separate path. But you do need to have a management team. Not It doesn't have to be the day you do that transaction, but you do need to get that in place. So when you ultimately retire, you've got that team to take over. Otherwise, you're going to be doing everybody a big disservice. So there's a couple parts here. One is the structure of the business itself. So as you mentioned, you have to have a C or S corp. The other thing that makes this successful, you've got to have a management team in place. So if that rainmaker or the, the founder steps out of the picture, you have management in place that can carry on and make the business successful. Right. And, and I think a lot of our clients don't have them in place the day they do the deal. Right. And they know. Right. So say you sold that company to a third party and that owner leaves. The first thing that that company that's acquiring you is going to do is hire someone to replace you. Right. And so if that's ultimately going to be the end game, then you could do that yourself. Right. You could say, you know what, I'm going to try the ESOP. I'm going to go out there, look for someone that could replace me. It might be one, two or three people to replace that key person. So that when I leave, I know I've got a team in place that can continue running the company. And I just one more anecdotal comment, right? You know, we see so often business owners that sell their stock to the ESOP. And they, they could have sold 100% of their stock to their employees, but they still like to work at the companies, right? They say they want to retire and they do want to take time off and travel and enjoy life but they still enjoy going to the office. So I can't tell you how many retired, quote, business owners that we have that stay on to help those employees on a post-transaction basis because they just enjoy the social interaction, helping their employees succeed. Great, great story. So Larry, as we close, if any of our listeners are out there, maybe they're in that situation. They're getting up in age. They'd like to retire, walk away from the business. They don't have, let's say, children in the business or heirs to that business. How can they contact you? 
So you could easily go to our website, csgpartners.com, and right on that website, there is a contact us. Just contact us and we'll be in touch with you straight away to help answer any questions you might have and see if we can educate you on an ESOP and help you implement one. Super idea. And like I said, what a great way to exit the business and not pay taxes. When you look at this, it's almost too good to be true, but it is true. And we'll end on that note. Larry, thanks so much for joining us on the program and informing our listeners. Ray, thank you, Jim. Appreciate the time. Good luck. The Financial Sense News Hour is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be considered as a solicitation or offer to purchase or sell any securities. The investments, investment strategies, and investment philosophies discussed or presented on the News Hour each involve their own unique risk factors, which are not discussed on the show. Responses to listener inquiries are based on the personal opinions of the Financial Sense staff and do not take into account listener suitability, objectives, or risk tolerance. Financial Sense News Hour and its parent company shall not be liable for any financial losses that result from investing in any companies mentioned in financial sense or arising out of the use of any material on the news hour. Please be advised that you invest at your own risk.